Look, my name is Steph and uh, I am part of the dream team here at Newcastle. And uh, lots of times when we have a guest speaker, we um, get them up here and they, they tell you a little bit about themselves and show you photos of their family and their children and all that kind of stuff. And so I've just got a little sneak peek tonight of my little family, which will be right here in just a second. Yeah, see, that's me, obviously, and uh, my husband, Tim, and our little kid, Enoch Ladama. He's um, five, which is pretty exciting, and he just likes to be called Ladama. Don't call him Enoch, you won't be happy about it. Um, but he's our compassion sponsor child, and he's rad, and uh, that's our little family. So I thought, there you go. Now when I talk about Tim tonight, you'll be like, oh, now I know who you're talking about. The Italian guy at the sound desk. That is okay. That's him. That can go now. Bye-bye. There you go. There you go. So that's my little family. And uh, I just thought I'd let you know, if you're new here, that's me earlier today in a photo on the screen. So it's a good time. Look, we are in part three, our final week of Make Room. And uh, if you are here for the first time out of these three weeks, you haven't heard any of the other messages, then I do just want to encourage you to grab the podcast of the other two weeks. Because the cool thing about a series is that there's a big picture that we're trying to share with you, a big vision, um, a big, I guess, thought that we'd love to bring you in on. And one message out of a series is pretty good, but it's not until you hear the whole series that you really get a glimpse of what we're really trying to share with you and bring you on the journey of. So I do encourage you to get that podcast. They are pretty cool. Pastor Dave and Pastor Jace both shared on that, and that was really cool. And it's a good time. There you go. I forgot to tell you also with that photo, Tim always tells me, like, you know, guest speakers also come and they're like, look at my hot wife, I'm punching, blah, blah, blah. And Tim's always like, nah, you're punching. <laughs> I'm like, um, rude. <laughs> He's always like, I don't know why guys always say that. Some of the guys, they're not punching. Like, their wives are punching. And I'm like, yeah, tell it how it is, Tim. <laughs> and so I fall into that category. I'm not punching. I mean, I'm punching. Tim's not. Anyway, it's not important. It's really fine. Sorry? I think so. Thank you. All the girls are on my side, but that's cool. So I'm sure the guys don't want to say that out loud, but they really feel it. They're like, yeah, like, she's punching. <laughs> it's not true. The girls are always not punching, and that's fine. Look, tonight, I'd like to share with you from a book in the Old Testament called Kings. It's actually two kings, and that's because there's two, chap two books of kings, and that's just how they differentiate it. One kings, two kings. It's very simple. And so chapter six in two kings, we're reading about a bunch of guys who've been hanging out, leaning into the teaching of a guy named Elisha, who was referred to at the time as the man of God. He would speak to people on behalf of God. He'd be a voice to the generation, to the people from God. And this is a little bit of a story, a little bit of a snapshot of a scene. It's already there. It says this, the company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we, where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he, Elisha, said, go. He's a man of few words, this Elisha guy. Like within a whole conversation, he says hardly anything. He says, go. And then one of them said, well, won't you come with us? Come with your servants. And he's like, I will. And so that's what Elisha said. And so he went with them. Go, I will. And so he went. Then they went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. I don't know how else to say that. Like, it sounds kind of like, oh no, my Lord. Like, I don't know. Anyway, um, it was borrowed. Who borrows an axe? I don't know. Anyway, the man of God said, where did it fall? 
When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Again, he's not got a lot to say, does he? Go, I will lift it out. Thanks, mate. And, uh, and then the man reached out his hand and took it. Crazy. I'm going to pray. God, I thank you so much that you are here with us and that you speak through your word. So tonight, I pray that you would help us to hear your voice and that you would speak to our situation where we're at right now and that we'd walk away refreshed in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, look, I don't know if you know what it's like marrying into an Italian family. Is anybody Italian here? Check if you're not. Don't lie. Just down the back, all of the sound team is Italian. We've got some more over here. Look, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I married into an Italian Italian family. And so I am, what's the phrase they abbreviate it? IBM, Italian by marriage. And so that's my official title, Stephanie Salvini, IBM. That's going to be in my emails down the bottom from now on instead of like bachelor person who did uni. No. IBM. And so I married into an Italian family. And there are times where we have like family dinner and we get together to eat because, you know, I'm looking at you, you know what's going on. They like to eat. And so we get together once a month and much to Tim's parents' dismay, that only happens once a month. They would love for it to be more often, but you'll hear why that would be a bad idea in just a moment. So we go to his parents' house once a month and uh, we don't eat for a good like few hours, maybe a few days or weeks or months before we go to their house because we know we're going to get fed real good because Mama Sharon can cook. And so if you ever meet Mama Sharon, don't call her that, she won't like it, but be like, hey Sharon, I heard you can make a cool potato bake and she'll make you one. And uh, she does, she what? She does make a great potato bake, yes. So anyway, Mama Sharon can cook. And so we get there every month and we walk in and it's real chill. They've got this giant German shepherd dog that just like roves around the inside of the house. Like who has a giant dog inside? I remember I saw it for the first time and it was just, it was running laps. And I was like, how are you not knocking everything over? It doesn't, it's too fat. Anyway, um, and so we get there, it's real chill. And then Sharon starts setting the table. And then she starts laying out the food. And I'm just looking at it start to unravel before my eyes. And I'm like, Lord, bless us this day. And I just see she starts to lay out a table with lots of different things. We've got potato, potato bake. And then you've got like roast potatoes with this really yummy like seasoning stuff. She told me about it, but I can't tell you. It's like secret herbs and spices. And uh, then you've got like veggies because you have to have some vegetables. And then you've got like the salad. And then you've got like an arrangement of meats. And uh, I know that got a lot of excitement, not from the vegans. And, uh, and then you've got just carbs. There's bread. There's just pasta. There is everything that you could want, almost like an all-you-can-eat buffet. And so we go there every month, and this is the experience most of the time. And uh, not when we're responsible for cooking, then we don't go. Um, But we go there, and there's all this laid out before us. And so we eat, and I mean like we eat. I don't know if you've been in this situation before, maybe on Christmas Day where there's so much food, like so much food, and uh, you just can't help yourself. You're like, I'm not even hungry, really. Like I just ate on the way here because I wasn't sure if I was going to like the food. Anyone done that? And so you just pre-eat before you go. So I do that a lot. Usually get nuggets either to or from where I'm going. And so like eating, we eat so much food. We just keep eating and eating and there's carbs on carbs on carbs. And it's just good. It's good for the stomach. It's good for the legs. It's good for everything. And, um, and we just love it. And then once we've finished eating, we like hobble over to the lounge. Like we almost roll over to the lounge, to be honest with you. But we kind of just go over to the lounge room and we like collapse on the couch. And we're like, oh. 
You know that moment? You just, you've reached your limit. You're like, oh, Lord, what have I done? No regrets, no regrets. And you just sit there and you're like, it's a beautiful moment, isn't it? I love it. And you just kind of pat your stomach and you're like, you've done good. Well done. Good and faithful stomach. Well done. And uh, you retire to the lounge and you just chill out because you've made so much room for the food. And um, Maybe you haven't eaten like that because you're not a glutton. And um, that's cool. That's cool. Me neither, obviously. And, uh, but maybe you've been shopping before and you thought, I'm going to go to the shops with my friend. And uh, I'm not going to buy anything because it's not in the budget, but I'm just going to go. And you go to the shops and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a section of a sales shop and you're just like, oh my gosh, everything is red. There's a 40% off sign, a 20% off sign. Am I the only one who finds myself in these situations? Great. So recently I found myself in one of those situations. It was a very mild spring day in October 2018. And I told Tim I needed a new top. I was just at home, sitting amongst my piles of washing that haven't been folded or ironed or put away. Don't look at me with judgment eyes. I know you do the same thing. We have a whole room dedicated to unfolded clothes. Don't judge. It's fine. Anyway, so I'm sitting with all my clothes and I'm just like, Tim, I need a new top. And he's like, just looks at me and he looks back at the clothes. He just looks at me and he raises an eyebrow and he's like, like, really? (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh, yeah. You can relate? No, you can't. And so Tim's like, you don't need a new top? I'm like, 100%, I need a new top, and this has to happen today. And so he's like, all right. And so we just got in the car because YOLO. We went to Charlestown Square. And so we're at Charlestown Square, and we get Tim a coffee because I know as a good wife that if I get my husband coffee, things will go in my favor later on when I want to make purchases. And so we go. We choose the coffee shop that's right outside the shop that I want to spend more money in. And uh, he gets his coffee, and I'm like, is it good? Is it good? Like, are we good? He's like, mm, it's good coffee. Good. I'm so glad you're happy. And so then we go inside and I'm in Maya and then just randomly I find myself in one of those sales sections with the big red signs and the 40% off. And I was like, how did this happen, Tim? What has happened? How did we get here? And he's like, oh, here. I'm just going to go and drink my coffee out there. Here's the card. And I was like, rookie. I was like, yes, dear, that's fine. No worries. Bye-bye. And so he just leaves the store and he goes and sits outside and I peer around the corner, make sure he's actually sitting down, eating, drinking, whatever he wants to do. The man can be happy. That's totally fine. And so I'm finding myself there and I'm wondering and I just look around and I just look and then I laid my eyes upon this shirt that I didn't know I needed until my eyes had fixed on it. And it looks exactly like two or three other tops that I already own. And uh, I look at it and I'm like, this I need in my life. This will fulfill the shirt size hole that I have in my heart right now. And I look at it and I pick it up and I'm like, oh, should I? Shouldn't I? Oh, you know, you touch clothes sometimes and you're like, oh, it's too hot. Can't. And then you touch it. You're like, no, I can commit. And you take it off the rack and then you smell it. Nobody does that. And then you hug it. Nobody does that. And, um, and you just like grab it and you're like, yes this is happening. And uh, this is a situation that I find myself in sometimes. And I hold it and I'm like, we do not have room in our budget for this right now. It's not even that expensive, but like we're allocating our cash. We're trying to get ahead in life. Why would I buy a top? But then I think to myself, I mean, what do we really need to pay for this week? Like really? And I'm thinking like rent. And like, we can probably get away with everything else. Like, I don't need to eat. That's fine. We just learned that I like to eat, but we don't have to. I know I can get 20Ks on my empty tank of fuel. And uh, I know how far I can stretch my life before it becomes impossible. And so I'm just like, yeah, I can make room for this in my budget. Has anyone been in that situation before? Or is that just a Steph thing? 
that's just a step thing. Okay, well, that's fine. But anyway, um, I found it really interesting that we create rooms in our lives for things that we deem as valuable and things that matter. You've got your basic rooms like we've just talked about, um, shopping rooms, change rooms, just the standard. And then you've got your um, kick up your room, kick up your room, wow, kick up your feet and relax lounge rooms. You've got your grandma's special room with the cabinet with the china in it that never gets used, but you can't throw balls in here or have any fun, just sit there and be quiet and look at the TV. That room. You've got your study, or as many of you should refer to it, your Netflix and Facebook room. Um, you've got your bedroom. Which, if you were like me as a teenager, you had a sign on it that said, do not enter at your own risk, enter at your own risk, never come in here ever. That was my sign because I'm really open to people in my life. And so that was my sign. My parents really loved it and I just made it very clear, you do not come in this room. And so we've got all different kinds of rooms. But just like the company of the prophets, we create rooms physically and we create rooms spiritually. So my question to you tonight is, what does the room of your life look like right now? Is the room of your life stale? Are you singing on Sunday about the greatness of God, but not seeing God's greatness at work in your everyday life? Or are you in this room and your life is fresh and free and fruitful? Where God is moving and you're listening to his guidance and you're spending time in his word and your life feels alive like it's filled with hope and there's purpose and there's joy and there's freedom. You know, we are, as a church, allowed to be just another congregation that meets on a Sunday, has a good time, hangs out, helps people in need in our community. But the room that God has ordained for us to create is a room of miracles, of divine appointments, of health and of life and of freedom. And so to make this room, we have to first make room in ourselves. And to make room is simply to open a doorway to the miraculous. It's nothing too stressful, nothing too complicated. We each individually, though, must learn to make room. And some of you are sitting here and you're like, ain't nobody got time for that. Like, ain't nobody got time for that. Um, I totally get it. Like, we don't have time for that. But I want to encourage you tonight that whilst life might be full and you might be trying to find just 23 minutes a week where you can meet with your friends, where your calendar aligns like the stars and like you can finally catch up for that coffee that you've been hoping to get for three years or maybe you're like studying, working, serving, you're trying to find that special someone to spend the rest of your life with. Um, whatever you're doing, you should have already found yours, Jacob. I want to encourage you today that no matter where you're at on your journey with God, whether you've been a Christian forever or just found him 10 minutes ago, there is more for you than you are experiencing right now and making room isn't as hard as it sounds. It's not so much about tiresome changes, but it's about making slight adjustments to how you approach life. It's not so much about striving to fit more in, but rather learning to get more out of God. And so I have three thoughts tonight. Um, from these guys, the company of the prophets, that I want to share with you because I hope that they encourage you and I hope that they really just kind of clarify the simplicity of what it means to make room in your life because God wants to work in your life and he wants to work through your life. But we have to allow room in us for him to do that. And so the first point tonight is this. It's about perspective. And so as you know, Tim and I go to our family once a month for dinner. And uh, we are there. We're, we're retired on the couch. Just flash back to where I was like this on the couch, like going into a food coma, slowly nodding off into a food coma. Just put yourself there in your head. It's a glorious place. We're just nodding off into a food coma and like just unwinding, patting Sasha, the dog, 
scared she might eat your hand if you fall asleep. And we're just chilling. And we're like impressed. Impressed with the physical feat we've achieved in eating all of this glorious carbs that Mama Sharon has provided. And we are excited because we feel like champions. We feel like we should get our gold medal in eating because what we've done is incredible. The food that we've consumed, Rue's with this. Happy birthday, by the way, Rue, hey? (laughs) We feel like we've achieved the most incredible feat. And then out of nowhere, as we begin to fall into that food coma, we hear those sweet sounds like float through the air. Dessert's ready. And so we just rise like the champions that we are off of the lounge of being full and off of the lounge of food coma and we walk straight to that kitchen because dessert is on the table. We look at each other and we're exhausted and we're impressed at what we've accomplished physically but we know that there is room for more. And so we look at dessert and we're like, you know what, there is room for this in here and you just kind of hit the side of your body and you engage your second stomach. You just kind of go, next stomach, engage and your dessert stomach kicks in and suddenly there is a reason to make room for more. Our perspective changes. The truth is that when we feel we've reached a limit in our life, we simply need a new perspective. The company of the prophets were for a time happily meeting together in this particular place, growing in faith, hearing from God, ready for him to move. They were known as people who worshipped God, which is pretty cool. But something changes one day. It's like they see with a new perspective. They say, look, the place where we meet you is too small for us. It's like they've been meeting there for ages and it wasn't an issue, but suddenly it's become uncomfortable and suddenly it's become a little constrictive. Is that a word? Constrictive? Whatever. And, um, and it's become limiting. And instead of looking at the situation and going, oh, it's too uncomfortable, I'm not coming anymore, they go, it's too small, let's make room for more. They had a perspective change. Instead of looking at it and going, this is too small, they go, this place could get bigger. In John 14, Jesus gives us the perspective that we actually need for life. Jesus says this, don't let this throw you. You trust God, don't you? Trust me. There is plenty of room for you in my father's house. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get a room ready for you, I'll come back and get you so you can live where I live. I love this. I can just picture God and Jesus in heaven. God's built this mad mansion, like this rad house, like the best party house ever. Introverts, it's okay. It's just like high fives and chill out in your corner. Um, But like this mad house and everyone's like, there's rooms for everybody. God has prepped it for everyone. And Jesus goes up to heaven. He's like, I'm going to get this ready for you. I'm going to lay your favorite pair of pajamas on your bed for you going to have your little, your little teddy ready for when you get here. I'm going to have your favorite flowers in the corner, the picture of your mom on the thing. And like Jesus is prepping the room for your arrival. I love this picture. And all of the angels are gathered around and they've prepped heaven and a room in heaven for you. They have prepped heaven for you. All of heaven has made room for you. And not only that, but they're waiting with eager anticipation for your arrival. That's why the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices. There is a party thrown in heaven every time one person chooses to know God. Every time one person chooses to commit their life to Jesus, there is a party in heaven. It's like the angels have like party poppers galore just ready to go. Every time someone says yes to Jesus, they're like, woo! Like maybe a bit better than that, but that's how I celebrate. And um, 
the party gets wild. But again, if you're an introvert, it doesn't. It's just high fives. Um, and that's cool. But the important thing is that room has been made for you. Home is ready. And now you, with your room ready to go and your relationship with God made, you get to partner with God to see the people in our city come to know him as well. On the other side of you making room are other people's eternities. I love that this jar is filled with cards that have people's names on them. I'm not going to read them out, but like they are literally covered in names. And I love that because it means in this place, we are ready to see people in our city come to know God. Did you know that there's half a million people within half an hour's drive of the seat that you're sitting in right now? Half a million people who perhaps don't know God yet. Statistically, probably most of them, I don't know about math stuff, but like a lot of people don't know God in our city. And all I know is that God has chosen us to work through to reach those people in our city. On the other side of you making room are other people's eternities. On the other side of you making room are miracles. God ordained opportunity, heaven dropped dreams, the impossible being made possible. So let's not be a people who see that life is full and think, okay, it's really messy and it's really full and I get that, but it's comfortable and familiar, so I'm going to stay here. Let's instead be people that look at life when it's full and just choose, make the decision to change our perspective. Make the decision to not see that we're at capacity, but rather see that there's room for more, there's room to grow. Make a decision to see things differently and let that drive us to make room for more. It's about perspective. The second point tonight is this, it requires action. So like I'm in Maya and I'm at this sale and I've found this top, you know, it's beautiful and I've hugged it and I've smelt it and I've committed myself to it and I've tried it on. I've sent a photo to Tim. I'm like, is this okay? He's like, I don't care. Do you like it? I'm like, yes, thank you. And so I grab it and I'm like, I need to make, I need to take action. I need to get this shirt into my house without stealing it and it's not going to miraculously appear there. And so I know that I have to purchase this thing. And so I grab this shirt and I'm like dramatically walking across Maya like I'm in some kind of shopaholic who needs help kind of commercial or something like that. And I just grab that shirt and I put it confidently on the register, knowing it's going to be like 40% off minimum. And then she scans it and she's like, mm, that's 20% off. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, okay, I'll have it. That's fine. And so I make a decision that I'm going to take action. And then she goes, boom, it's on sale. I'm like, yes. 20%, I'll take it. And then she's like, boom, how are you going to pay? And I'm like, with my card, please, the one that my husband left me. And then she's like, boom, it's been approved. And I'm like, yes. Have you ever had that moment where it's not approved and you're like, awkward? It, it was approved. And that's the main thing. And the angels in heaven sang the hallelujah chorus. And I just was like, this is the best day ever. I got my shirt. Tim got his coffee. It's a good time. It's a beautiful day in October 2018. And I remember it like it was yesterday because it was yesterday. And this is my shirt. It's nice. It is identical to at least one or two other shirts I own, except it's got this. And that's what makes it, right? Thank you. Everyone just tell Tim afterwards, good work. It was a good shirt. You made a good move. Well done. Good and faithful husband. It's a good time. The cool thing is that if we see with this kingdom perspective of this life being more than just about us, but being about sharing the kingdom of God with this planet, then we are driven to do something about it. The company of the prophets noticed that the place where they were meeting was too small. They had eyes to see that others needed to meet with God, but it required action. To see is not enough. To see is not enough. They say this, 
Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. The first way we're going to take action is by chucking out the clutter, the things that cause staleness and squash our faith. They're the things that we've made room for without realising it or things that we've made room for over time, just like the 1% choices that we make in everyday life. Like we're going to be a little bit lazy today. I'm going to be a little bit this today. And they end up creating a habit of laziness or creating an insecurity in your life or fears or excuses or doubt. These are the things that we've actually made room for in our life that are causing our life to feel more full than it actually is. There are so many times in my life, my life has felt more full than it actually is because of what I've made room for, because of what I've chosen to make room for over time. And sometimes I haven't done that on purpose, but definitely sometimes I've let insecurity take place in my life. I've made room for it. I'm like, yeah, I love being insecure. That's a good time. And I just, I know that sounds ridiculous to you, but it's a good time. (laughs) I'm happy with that. And so I've made insecurity. I've made room for that in my life. I used to make room for fear in my life. I used to make room for excuses and for laziness and for doubt. I've been in that place before. I made room for all of those things. But I learned that all of those things created a staleness in my life. They created a smallness in my life. And they're things that we have to chuck out. Just chuck it out like it's clutter before we start to build anything else. These are the things that we need to be rid of. So once we declutter, then we build. In 2 Peter, there's this incredible passage of scripture. And it says this. So don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given. Complement your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love. Isn't that cool? Complement your basic faith. In the NIV, it says, add to your faith. Add to your faith. What I've learned is that to know God, all you have to do is believe. It's like real easy, real simple. He just asks that we believe, that we take that step of faith and we believe in him. But I've also learned that to be effective in the kingdom of God, just believing is not enough. I've learned that just believing won't change other people's eternities. It won't change other people's lives. It changes mine. It changes yours personally. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't change anyone beyond you. There comes a moment of maturing in faith where we have to take action. We have to take responsibility for our own faith, for our own maturing, for our own um, walk with God and begin to build on it. And as Peter says, we can add to it things like generosity, patience, kindness, discipline, all the things that you probably would like to see in your life but really don't want to make time for or make room for. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. We get to build these things into our life. We have to choose to throw out the clutter and build, input these things, put into practice the things that are going to build your faith and build your life. The cool thing is that the place we remove the old and replace it with the new is right in the presence of God. And so I love that you have come here tonight. You've come to a place where you can encounter God. You've come to a place where the presence of God is. And that's awesome. But I want to encourage you that the presence of God goes with you wherever you go. You're a child of God, and so His presence goes with you. And so you don't have to wait till church on Sunday to deal with clutter in your life or choose to build on your faith. You can have these encounter points with God at home. You can have these encounter points with God in your car on the way to work, maybe after work if you're going to cry because it's a messy makeup situation. But you can have these encounter points with God anywhere that you go because the presence of God goes with you. 
And in the presence of God, you can find strength that you need for this season. You can find the joy that you need for this season, the peace, the power. You can find healing and hope and restoration. You can find freedom and fruitfulness and life abundant in the presence of God. And so that's why we encourage you to make room in your life for God, to make room in your life for being at church regularly, make room in your life for relationships and connect group with people who are also building on their faith, who are growing in their faith as well. Make room to learn how to read the Bible and to pray because those two things are going to be what shapes you and guides you. And it's going to be how God speaks to you personally where you're at at this point in time. It's cool to listen to podcasts and it's cool to like do all that stuff. But again, that maturing of faith, having that moment of reading the word of God for yourself and having a revelation from heaven, a God drop straight into your lap of what he wants to speak into your life. This is where he helps you declutter and you build again. So the first point is it's about perspective. The second point is it requires action. And the third point is this, the pressure's off. How good? (laughs) The pressure's off. This story of the prophets ends with a miracle. It's a weird one. There's an axe that floats. It's bizarre. I have so many questions for that situation. And also like, why does the story just end with them picking the axe up out of the water? If I was there, I'd be saying stuff. I'd be asking questions. I'd be like, hang on a second, whose axe was it? And is it blessed now? And can it do miracles? And can we get some gold out of it? Or like, I have questions when I read things sometimes. But it ends in a miracle. And the great thing about miracles is that they require God to rock up. We personally cannot perform miracles because we are human beings. But God is a miracle working being. He is a creator of heaven and of earth and of all creation. And so the pressure's off. And so at our, church, at our family lunch that we have once a month, family dinner, once a month, when we're lying on the couch after dessert now, like definitely in a food coma at this point, and we're just lying there. Do you know how we like relieve the pressure? Just pop the top button on your jeans. Somebody else do that when you've eaten too much? You're like, mm, yep, thank you. All the boys kind of seem like, no, I would never do that. The girls are all like, yeah, I do that all the time. I was having a conversation with some girls last week, and one of them was like, I deliberately wear high-waisted jeans when I eat and go out so that I feel full at dinner, knowing that I can fit dessert in if I just pop that open. <laughs> it's pretty good stuff. Just a trick for you there. And so we're there and we're, we just sigh that relief. And uh, I love that moment. Immediate relief. Immediately the pressure is off my stomach. I could eat nuggets on the way home now. I could go for thirds because the pressure is off. Once we change our perspective of priorities in life and we make room for relationship with God, we take action to cut off the old ways and we build upon it. That's when God rocks up. That's when God can actually be God in your life. If you need a miracle of provision, then make room for God and trust Him to provide. His name is Provider. If you need a miracle of healing, then make room for God and trust Him to heal. His name is Healer. If you need a miracle of salvation for your family or colleagues or friends, then make room for God and trust Him to open doors. Perhaps He's going to put you in situations to share your faith. Perhaps He's going to give you an opportunity to talk about the hope that you have in your Saviour trust that he will come through. God is a God of power and authority and strength and salvation and hope. And so the pressure is off. How good is that? As Tim would say, it's all gravy, baby.
Don't worry about it. It's all gravy, baby. He literally says that to me when I stress out about stuff. And uh, he just goes, first of all, stress is a choice. And second of all, which that doesn't work. That never works. And then he's like, but it's all gravy, baby. And I'm like, yeah, all right. Like, I know it's going to be fine. <laughs> but sometimes you just need somebody to tell you, it's all gravy, baby. It's actually fine. The pressure's off. You don't have to be the answer in that situation that you're stressed about. You don't have to be the hope that you're thinking you need to be or the salvation for your family or your colleagues. You don't have to be the healer because God, that is His job. He is God. And we just have to trust Him and make room for Him and He will do the impossible. He will perform miracles. There has been a weight that has been lifted off my life even recently as again, I've committed my life to Him and gone, you know what? I actually just need you to do what you said you would do in the Bible. (laughs) You say that you'll provide. You say that you'll heal. You say you'll do this and you say you'll do that. And instead of questioning it and doubting it and allowing fear and insecurity and all those things, that clutter that we let fill up our life, I said, I'm not gonna let that in. Instead, I'm gonna make room for God. And I'm actually just going to stand on what he said in the Bible and go, you said you would provide. I'm going to need you to do that. I can't. And then just step back because the pressure's off. I've handed it over and the pressure is off. God is free to be God in your world. In Romans 5, in the message version, we read this awesome passage of scripture again and it says this. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with Him, make us fit for Him, we have it all together with God because of our Master Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that He has already thrown open His door to us. And we find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory. The pressure is off. 